Hey, everybody. Let's welcome our first-time guest to Grace Life Church. <laughs> all right. It is so good to see all of you this morning. Uh, it is Labor Day weekend, and we are right now between two big, important things, right? We just came off our series, Jesus Said Money Matters, last week. Next week, Jimmy will be back to preach a brand-new series on the life of Moses. So if you, you don't want to miss next week, and if you missed last week, you want to, I want to encourage you to go back and check it out. You can see it on the website or on our app, okay? And the, the main reason we don't want you to miss it is because last week is because the way we handle our money affects the way we see our God, okay? So this week, I'll be sharing a message with you. So you got me today with you to share a message about what God is doing in a Bible character we're going to talk about today. So I am here this morning with you, and I'm excited for what God is doing. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love church, okay? I love God's people. I love worship. I love everything that the Holy Spirit does in the hearts of people. I just really, really love church. I can remember my first church experience was at a church summer camp, okay? I, I, when I first was introduced to God, it wasn't in a church building. It was at church summer camp. And I remember that experience was so negative. It was like a prison camp experience, okay? You hear what I'm talking about. I remember the mean, grumpy cafeteria lady. Her name was Miss Betty Jo. Miss Betty Jo was seven feet tall at the time, okay? 400 pounds wide, and you better make sure you ate all of God's holy food at the camp. So we came out there with clean plates. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Clean plates. And listen, let me be honest with you. We did everything we could to get away from the camp to sneak down to the beach, because five minutes from the camp was the beach, and we would sneak down to the beach to show off our skinny boy muscles and to look at pretty girls. That's just what we did. I'm sorry, that's just what we did. And I also remember another camp experience I had. It could have been a year later, but uh, my friends that pushed me up into stealing or taking the uh, camp director's golf cart, okay? Again, we were trying to do everything we could to get out of prison, okay? Uh, and so we took the camp director's golf cart and we went uh, joyriding around the city. All right, and we were up to like one o'clock in the morning and we pulled into the Krispy Kreme. Now you never want to go to the Krispy Kreme unless you see the what? The hot sign. That's right, the hot sign, right? It was on and the, hot, and the donuts looked great. So we go into the Krispy Kreme and guess who was in the Krispy Kreme? The camp director, busted. So it was just an awful experience. And to be honest, okay, my first God experience when it comes to church or just, uh, you know, just around God's people, I, it was my fault because I really did not surround myself with the best people possible. Uh, I surrounded myself with people who would just kind of get me distracted every single time. I mean, it was just so easy for me to get distracted. Every time I wanted to try to pursue God, I ended up getting off the course that God had for me. I, I remember uh, in ninth grade, I had my first car, right? Ninth grade. And I don't know if you remember, but does anyone know what a Saturn is? A Saturn, okay. All right, I thought I was the only weird person that drove a Saturn. Okay, so uh, I had a Saturn, and it was gold. It had gold leather seats, had a sunroof. It was a nice car. And, and the seatbelts would do this. When you open the door, the seatbelts would kind of go, it would kind of do this electric thing here, right? So we had the first electric seatbelts in the 90s. Isn't that awesome? So I, I, I remember that my, my, my grandma, she would talk to me like I was a two-year-old. She said, okay, Jermaine, listen, you get in the car, you go to school. After school is over, you get back in your car and you come home. Do you understand me? I'm like, I'm like 
Yeah, she's like, do you understand the words that come into my mouth? Yes, ma'am, I do. All right, so the first day, I made it to school and back, no problem. But the second day, not so lucky. As I was trying to get in my car, some friends come up, and the friends were like, hey, can you just drop me off on the way to your house, please? I would like to take a ride with you and just drop us off. It's a minute up the road. I'm like, oh. I'm like, oh, goodness. I said, okay. So I let them get in my car, okay? As soon as we get in the car, they turn the radio up as loud as it can go. They were hanging out the sunroof, hanging out the windows, and I was just so distracted. We was jumping all around. I was so distracted, I hit the car in front of me and totally lost my car right in front of the school on the second day of school. And when I totally lost my car, guess what? When I wrecked it, guess what happened? Those same guys jumped out and ran away. I'm like, these jokers, really? It's your fault that this happened. No, it was my fault because I was fully distracted. And I would constantly find myself in these situations of just doing stupid stuff. And I knew it was moments like this that I was made for something greater. I knew that God had a better plan for me than what I kept getting myself into. And and that's true of you this morning. See, you're not here by coincidence. Okay, God knew you would be here this morning. And God made you for something better. And I believe that God made you special. I believe God made you different. I believe God made you great. And I believe that God has a call on your life to do great things on planet Earth for him. So here's the question, though. How do we live out what God has called us to do in a world that has full of distractions all over the place? How? I mean, it can be super hard to focus exactly on what God wants us to do in our lives. Uh, The truth is, the average person can't go 10 minutes without checking their cell phone. That's a true statistic. The average person spends two hours a day on social media. Uh, It it, it is said that by the time a person hits 25 years old, about 30 years old, you, you would have spent seven years on social media if you add all the time up, okay, constantly clicking and scrolling clicking and scrolling. Can you imagine that? I mean, but anything can be a distraction. People can be distractions. Uh, Your jobs can be a distraction. Uh, Your emotions can be a distraction. There's just so many things that can distract us to take our eyes off the prize uh, in in the way that life is supposed to be lived. So uh, that's our question today. So how do we live a life full of purpose and focus on the things that matter most? It's a fight to focus. So we, we want to get to a place where we live with fixed focus on what matters most. Because the truth is this. If we live distracted enough, we can end up in situations that disrupt our God-given calling and our usefulness to the kingdom. If we live distracted long enough. And today I want to talk to you about a guy who was pretty special too, who was pretty unique. He had everything going for him. But he constantly kept getting distracted in life. And he had a lot of mess-ups along the way. And I often wondered, if he didn't get distracted in his his life, how would his life would have ended up uh, turning out for God? Well, that God's name is Samson. Samson. I mean, Samson was the man. He had so much potential for God. God's calling was all on his life, and you just knew it. I mean, you knew God was with him. I mean, he was super strong. The Bible says that he was so strong that when a lion one day tried to attack him, he ripped the lion's mouth apart with his bare hands. There was another time that the Bible says that the Spirit of God was so powerful to come upon him that he took a jawbone of a donkey and he killed a thousand enemies with this jawbone. I mean, his resume is impressive. He carried 700 pounds of city gates up a mountain. 
He was a leader for 20 years of the nation of Israel. He had 3,000 personal victories in his life, 3,000 trophies of success in his life. And he was on track to do great things. I mean, God was blessing him in all kinds of ways. The favor of God was on his life. And the true success of his, uh, the true reason of his success was his commitment to his relationship with God. See, the thing that made him special was his commitment to God and his relationship with God. And that is so true of us. See, what makes us so special is our commitment and our relationship with God. Listen, you say, well, no, I'm pretty great. You know, I'm really smart at work. I can do this. I'm smart. I can, you know, my, my math skills are awesome. My work skills are awesome. But guess what? We believe what the Bible says, that every gift has come down from, from God to you. So, yeah, we have natural abilities, which are awesome. But our, our awesome abilities are meant to what? Be connected with God in a supernatural way. And that's only, that the connection only happens when we have a relationship with him. Because when we have a true committed relationship with him, he takes those gifts and he maximizes those gifts on planet Earth, and he does it in a supernatural way. But Samson's story starts off kind of weird. It starts off with him being in a place that he shouldn't have been. It starts off with him being in a place that was ungodly, super distracting, okay? And this place was called Timnah. Timnah. Timnah was an uh, enemy territory. Uh, it was a place where all the Philistines were. Philistines were God's enemies, okay? They couldn't stand the people of God, okay? So here it is, Samson, why does your story start off with you being in a place called Timnah, okay? Your name, Samson, means sunlight. That's what his name meant. Sunlight meaning he was supposed to be a light to the world. But why are you in this dark, distracting, ungodly place? Well, that's where our story picks up today. Judges 14.1, it says this. It says, one day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. Okay, now it's starting to make a little bit of sense, right? When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah has caught my eye, and I want to marry her, get her for me. All right, I got a lot of problems with that whole two verses. Number one, dude. You don't demand your parents to do anything for you, okay? All right, number two, here it is. You're about to marry this woman who you don't even know. All, she, all you know about is she looks good to you, so that, that's problematic. She doesn't even believe in your God. She's with the enemies of God. And, and then number three, here it is. You are in a place where you shouldn't be, which is fully, uh, fully distracting. So, so it's like this whole thing is starting off messed up already. So this was a place he shouldn't have been, and he sees this pretty girl, and now he wants to marry her. So Samson is having a Samson moment. And some of you, uh, let's be real, some of you may have a Samson moment this week. Okay, it may not be a pretty guy or a pretty girl that catches your eye, but it can be something that's super distracting that takes your eyes, eyes off the prize that God has for you. It can be anything that just takes your focus from what it's meant to be focused on, the things that really matter, and take you in a place where it shouldn't be. Okay, I don't know what that is for you. Hopefully, we can find out what that is today and get God to help us with that. But I want to be real with you, okay? I had a Samson Samson moment, and I remember it was when I was in college, when I was at Allen University. And when I was at Allen University, I saw my dream girl. She was walking, very pretty. She was very awesome. She was super nice, athletic. And guess what, guys? My dream girl is here today. It's my wife, Lorraine. She's in the back. Say, hey, everybody. <laughs> okay, um, 
Safety team, if you can meet me in the lobby. I just embarrassed my wife in front of the whole church, so just meet me in the lobby. Safety team, safety team. Okay, so that's what happened. That's just what I did. Okay, so here we go. Uh, but the difference between Samson and I was that Samson was distracted by, a, by the wrong type of woman. This woman was ungodly, was unhealthy for him. Okay, she didn't even believe like him. So he allowed her to take his eyes off the prize. But me, at that time in my life, I was pursuing God, my eyes were on the prize, which is Jesus. And because my eyes was on the prize, which is Jesus, he gave me the prize of a godly, beautiful wife. Hey, listen, it, it is so funny how when you pursue God, things just fall in place. When you pursue God and go after him, he just brings the right things in your life. But the opposite is true, too. When you pursue other things that does not uh, have a lot of meaning, and we put all our efforts into those things, things just don't work well, right? Well, Samson was pursuing his desires over what God desired, and he wanted to marry this ungodly girl, which is his dream girl from Timnah. But his parents were against this. Uh, verse 3, it says this, his father and mother objected. They said, isn't there even one woman among our tribe, all of it, all the Israelites that you can marry, is there a woman that you can just marry who believes like you in our community of faith? What about that, you know? What, what about you be evenly yoked instead of, as the Bible talks about, unevenly yoked, right? Samson, wake up, you know? But despite what his parents said, Samson, Samson still went ahead and did what he wanted to do, and he married this woman that he wasn't supposed to marry. So now, let's fast forward to his wedding. Long story short, uh, he got in some trouble at his wedding. He ended up getting into a fight with about 30 men, okay? And he ended up, he ended up losing his wife to his best man at his wedding. Verse 20 sums this up. Verse 20 says this. So his wife was given in marriage to a man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. That's just messed up. I don't know about you, but that's just messed up. But I truly believe that it was this experience that changed his life forever. It was this experience that sent him down a path of no return because Samson got so upset, he was so hurt about the situation that he did some crazy stuff because of what happened. Listen to what he did in verse four. It says this, then he went out and caught 300 foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs and he fastened a torch to each pair of the tails. And then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines and he burnt their grain to the ground. Now that, my friend, is petty, okay? That is petty. Listen, have you ever been so angry and so hurt that you get petty? Well, you want to get mean with me, I'm going to get mad with you 10 times more. Have you ever done that? Well, this is what Samson was doing. He's playing this petty game. It's being very immature, right? But let's, let's be honest. Let's give Samson some credit, okay? He was super creative. He was super innovative. Listen, who thinks to take 300 foxes like, dude, you don't have wagons or, like, chariots? Uh, like, I mean, or can you just take a torch and just throw it into the field? Uh, like, I, I, I don't get it. But who thinks to take 300 foxes, okay, not 30, not three, but 300 foxes, tie them together by their tails and put a torch on it and let them go through the fields and burn it up? I, I, I bet you that field got burned up in, like, 10 minutes, okay, because he's just that smart. But here's the thing. He was not using his smartness or his creativeness for the purposes of God. He was using it for selfish reasons, 
okay? And some of you know what I'm talking about because some of you are the smartest on your jobs, you're the most creative on your jobs, you're the most innovative on your job, but God wants you to use those innovative ideas and those creativities that really he gave you to, to be for his purposes and use them for the kingdom uh, upbuild. So now he has a failed marriage, he has hurt that's grown inside of him, and you would think that he would be more careful of who he surrounded himself with or at least stay away from the wrong environments. Nope. Look at what Samson does next. This is what he does. And it says, Judges 16.1, it says, One day, Samson went to Gaza, and he spent the night with a prostitute. So now this is going from bad to worse even quickly. So now he's back in enemy territory, and now he's crossing lines that he shouldn't have crossed. Now, see, Gaza was about 25 miles from where Samson lived, okay? Samson lived on a mountain called Zara, okay? Zora. And that is approximately 56,250 steps away from where Samson lived, okay? So that also means that Samson had 56,250 opportunities to take a step in the right direction, but he didn't. He kept going in the wrong direction, using all his steps, all his energy towards the wrong thing. Instead, he continued to pursue unhealthy relationships, and now he is definitely crossing lines that he shouldn't be crossing. See, here's the truth. If we stay distracted long enough, we will end up crossing lines that God never intended for us to cross. It's always the small steps that lead to the big destruction in our lives, and it happens so subtle. You know, just too many clicks on the internet this way, too many scrolls on the post this way, too many wrong environments and the wrong people this way, and it just happens really slow. And the next thing you know, we are off the course that God has for us. So how do we stay focused on what God has for us so we can experience the best that God has for our lives, right? Well, you would think that Samson would stop and take one step towards God. Like, dude, come on, wake up, man. Let's, listen, God has better for you. You're like super awesome. But guess what? He doesn't stop there. It says this, three verses later, it says this. It says that then sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. Delilah. So now we had a really bad situation. Samson is just going after whatever he wants, doing life his way without, the without any uh, repercussions, without any uh, focus on the consequences at all. See, he thought that he was better than sin. He thought that he was better than bad uh, consequences. He thought that he can get himself out of anything because he's so strong. I got it. I'm the man. I got it. I can live life my way, and it's going to be just fine. I, this, all this other stuff is beneath me. See, he was very arrogant. Okay, he was prideful. Okay, when you look at the word pride, right? P-R-I-D-E, the middle uh, letter is I, meaning it's all about I, what I want, what I desire. I want it, I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna have it. I don't care about the consequence because I can get myself out of it. This is what Samson was doing. And what that was doing is distracting his life and it kept putting himself in situations that made it hard for him to live the way God wanted him to live. So look at verse five. It says this, the, verse 5 says, the, Philistine, the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. And then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. That's about $90,000 uh, in today's dollars, okay? So verse 6, so Delilah said to Samson, tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take for me to tie you up securely. 
Like, Samson, like, can't you not see that that whole thing is like, she's trying to set you up, dude. Like, wake up. Like, who says that? <laughs> like, and she says this four times. She says it four times. Hey, what can I do to make you lose your strength and tie you up? Hey, I, I just want to make, what, what makes you weak so I can just tie you up? Yeah, well, I want to make you weak as a man. So can, let, me, let me tie, like, Samson, wake up. You would think that he would wake up and be like, okay, she's trying to set me up, right? Well, let's be fair to Samson. Because you think we would recognize when the enemy is trying to set us up with those small distractions that, that continually come in our lives, right? Same thing, no different. Well, I truly believe this. If the enemy can't destroy our lives, he would do whatever he can to distract our lives. And it happens one small step at a time. One small step that leads us to big destructions. And listen what it says in verse 16. Let's continue in our story. It says this. It says that she tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Okay, I don't know why that's funny. It is funny, like, but she, she kept nagging him day after day. Listen, the truth for us is this. If we are around the wrong things enough, we will give in to it. If we are distracted long enough, we will give in to some things and cross some lines that God has never intended for us to cross, okay? It starts with us being distracted in the small things, all right? And I want to repeat some of these words. Why? Because I want us to focus. We can leave focused out of here with just one thing, distractions, and how we can eliminate those and go towards what God is calling us. I think we will find a lot of success in God. So listen, verse 17. So finally, Samson shared his secret with her. He said, my hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. See, verse 19, I almost got off, off track here. Verse 19, let's keep going. So he, he, confided her, he, he confided in her and told her his secret. But verse 19, it says this, Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. And it was in this way that she began to bring him down. And it says his strength left him. See, his, his, his hair represented his relationship with God. His hair was an outward symbol, symbol of an inner commitment to God. And his relationship with God was affected by the people and the things that he allowed in his life. See, he was so distracted that he didn't realize what was making him weak. If he would just be more aware of the things that was making him weak in life, he could have overcome, right? Well, it just became too much for him. It just became too much, and he gave in. So verse 20, what happens in our story? It says this, and then, and then verse 20, then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, I would do as I've done before, and I'll just shake myself free. I'm above this stuff. I'm better than this stuff. This stuff can't touch me. I'm Samson. You know, I'm the man. You know, I have everything I need, right? But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. Let me say this. One of the most scariest things in the world is to live life so successful, life so comfortably, but you don't realize that the favor of God has, has left your life. Like, that's like one of the most scariest things. Like, no, I want God's favor on my marriage. I want God's favor on my job. I want God's favor on anything that I'm doing. I want God to be with me and not me just thinking that I'm, I'm good. No, he didn't realize that the favor of God had left him. So verse 21, 
It says this. So the Philistines captured him. They gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains, and he was forced to grind grain in prison. The truth is, a life full of distractions leads to a life full of bad decisions, which ultimately produces a life full of bad consequences. His consequences have finally caught up with him. Now, he is blind, he is bound, and he is a prisoner. See, when we keep choosing things that go against the ways of God, there is a consequence. Listen, the Bible says this, a man shall reap what he sows. So if you sow to the spirit, the, the, the sinful nature, the Bible says from that sinful nature, you will reap destruction. But the opposite is true. The Bible goes on to say, but if you sow to the Holy Spirit, if you invest in the Holy Spirit's uh, deposit in your life and grow the Holy Spirit, guess what? You will reap the, the benefits of eternal life. You know, it's, it's who we invest in more, ourselves or the Spirit of God in us, right? But it was at this point that Samson had lost everything that was special to him. He lost his eyes. He lost his strength. He lost all his relationships. He even lost his most important relationship, which was his relationship with God. Samson, at this point in his life, hit rock bottom. I don't know about you, but have you ever hit rock bottom in life where you felt like, man, all is hopeless, all, everything is just empty, I feel lonely, I feel like no, nothing I can do can get me out of this situation, I just feel like it's awful, just like nothing works at all. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been there before. And let me encourage you, because some of you say, well, I'm kind of there, Jermaine, I'm kind of getting there, or I've been there before, but let me tell you this, if you ever hit rock bottom, I want you to remember one thing. When you hit rock bottom, remember this, that Jesus is the rock at the bottom, okay? The Bible tells us that he is our, what, firm foundation, right? He can get us and put us on a solid foundation where we can walk steady and we can focus in the world that's constantly trying to throw us off course. If we can just keep our eyes on him and put our feet on the rock of Jesus because he is the rock at the bottom. And I love it because, see, here's the truth. God will always, always pursue a relationship with you. He will pursue you until the day you die. Listen, God loves you so much that every morning he wants to spend time with you. He wants to grab you and hug you and love on you. He wants to make you great. He wants to do great things in you. And he's going to pursue a relationship with you until the day you die because he cares about you so much and he loves you so much, guys, and I love it. So one thing is for sure. Samson didn't end the way that God started him out. He started off as the man with the cool hair and the strength with all this potential, he was called by God to do great things. But by the end of his life, he had no eyes, he became a slave, and he ended up taking his own life just to get back at the enemies of God's people, the Philistines. So his life ended tragic. I mean, it was like one bad verse after another bad verse after another bad verse, but guess what? The next verse I'm about to share with you is the one and only good verse in a bunch of bad, bad verses. So we still have a good verse in a, bad, in a bunch of bad verses. We still have a good guy in the midst of a bad situation. And I always remember that, okay? No matter how bad things get, we still have one good verse. We still have one good God that is with us. And it says this, that one verse, the only verse that's encouraging in his story is verse 22. It says, but before long, his hair began to grow back. Listen, this is good news because no matter how bad we fail, we can always come back to God and have a strong relationship with him again. We can always turn to him. And he's always there waiting to love, us, love on us again, to be with us again, to encourage us again, to strengthen us again. No matter where you are in life, 
God can meet that need. And here's the truth, because this, Satan wants to make strong people weak, but the God we serve wants to make weak people strong. Let me say that again. Satan wants to make strong people weak, but the God we serve wants to make weak people strong. Because he loves you. He loves you. Amen. So, so no matter where you are in life right now, no matter what kind of weaknesses you're dealing with right now, God can grow that weakness and make it strong. Okay? That's why the Apostle Paul said, in my weaknesses, I boast in my weakness. Yeah, I boast that I can't speak right sometimes. I boast that I can't do this right sometimes because it's God ultimately that's going to take that weakness and make it strong. So no matter where you are, you can have a relationship with him, with him again. It doesn't matter what you've done in life. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what you think about you. It doesn't matter how things look. The Bible says you can come close to God and grow in a relationship with him right now today. All you have to do is take one step towards God. Just one step. One step towards God. See, what people do is what Samson do. We mess up, we sin, we, and we just keep going about like there's nothing. Okay, yeah, I said that. Yeah, I did that. So what? I'm above that anyway, and we just keep going. No, what God wants us to do, he wants us to recognize what is making us weak in life. Recognize what makes us weak and begin to take steps towards God because ultimately he can make us strong in those areas. So there are two final hallmarks to Samson's life destruction. Number one, he pursued his desires over what God truly desired. Every woman he went after was forbidden by God. God never told him he couldn't be married or be happy, but he went after a woman from an enemy nation that worshiped other false gods, and he ended up with three failed families. Samson was so gifted, he was so called by God, he was so successful, so strong, but yet he was weak in the area that mattered most. He was weak in his relationship with God. The area that mattered most. And the second hallmark to Samson's life's destruction was that he never repented. He said, what does that word repent mean? That, that word simply means just turn to God and take a step towards God. It actually means to change your mind, the way you're thinking, and think the way God wants you to think, right? And he never took any significant steps towards his loving Savior that's just waiting there. You know, God never turns his back on us. He's just waiting, waiting, pursuing us, loving us. He never turns his back on us, and he loves us. But he never took any significant steps towards God. Simply put, he didn't flee from his wrong desires, and he didn't pursue God. He wanted to pursue what he wanted to pursue in life. That's the bottom line. So to avoid having a Samson ending to our story, the best advice I can give us today is what Paul gave Timothy. I love this verse. It's 2 Timothy 2.22. And it says this. It says, flee the evil desires of you in pursuit. That's the word I want you to focus on. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Listen, every application is in that verse. If we can keep that verse on the screen just for a second, I want y'all to see that verse one more time. Okay? The pursuit of our life should be God. As we pursue God, what that looks like is this. Pursue righteousness. Pursue every day being right with God. Say, God, okay, here's what I'm dealing with, man. I'm going to be honest. Okay, I feel stressed. I feel uh, upset. I feel angry. Lord, can you deal with the things in my heart? I want to be right with you. I, don't want, I want to have a clean heart when I go to work today because I want, to, I want the world to see that I want to be a person to be used by you, that you are real and that you do heal, right? And then it says, what? Pursue faith. 
Pursue faith. Pursue those things that are going to increase your faith, grow your faith, right? And then it says pursue love. Pursue a love relationship with God every day. Love on God each and every day and watch what he begins to do. And then it says pursue peace. Pursue a peaceful relationship with God. Say, God, I'm going to be at peace today. I'm going to take peace with me in my car and when I go to work. I want to be at peace with you and I want people to see that. I want people to see the peace of God on my life. And it says, as you pursue the things of God in God himself, it says, do it with other believers. So you want to pursue God and the things of God with other people who believe in God and you watch what God does. He will strengthen you. He will renew you and he will do some great things. And so I just want to encourage you today. Pursue a relationship with him. Pursue talking to God about what's going on in your heart. Pursue taking a step towards him each day. Pursue God with other God followers. Pursue surrounding yourself with God's people. And let me tell you what's going to happen. As God is pursuing you and you are pursuing God, you're going to meet God in the middle and you're going to see his divine, divine favor on your life. The Holy Spirit is going to be on your life. You're going to see his calling recognized in your life. You're going to see the Holy Spirit do great things in your life. Because as you pursue him, you're going to run right into him. So take one simple step today. One step. That step for you could be a, a, a step of prayer. A step of recognizing where I'm at with God. A step of, hey, I want to love you more this week. Whatever that step is, I just want to encourage each and every one of us to take one step towards God. Can I pray for us today? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, where we are weak, you are strong. And Father, we admit, listen, we can't live this life without you. I mean, it just gets so challenging and so distracting. Father, we need you. Father, you, you said that uh, you, your love is better than life itself. Father, help us fall in love with you. Help us to be more aware of what those things are that are distracting us, that are trying to keep us from your kingdom. Father, we need to be strong in our relationship with you. So if we can, with your eyes closed, if we can allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us just for a moment, and I would like for you to recognize what are those things in your life that are making you weak? What are those things of weakness or those areas of weakness in your life? Okay, and I would like for you, to yourself and God, just to call those things out. Okay, confess those things that are making you weak before God right now. And say, God, I give you that, that weakness. Lord, I give you that temptation. I give you that thing that I'm struggling with, Lord. And I need you to help me. Father, we are only as honest. We are only as strong as we are honest. So we want to be honest where we are with you, Father. And we need you to make us strong in those areas. We give it to you right now, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.